0: Hello, friends. You're listening to the Sound Off Podcast. My name is Nate Lauks, and I'm your host. Sound Off is a community conversation show that airs each Monday and Friday live on 96.7 The Eagle in LaPorte, Indiana. And while podcasts don't allow for live interaction, we are still grateful to have you listening and engaged. So please help us out by subscribing and rating the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. Share the podcast with your friends and enjoy today's conversation.
1: Welcome to this podcast of Sound Off from August 1st, 2022 with your host Nate Lauks. Nate's guest today is LaPorte County Councilperson Earl Cunningham. Now here's your host, Pastor Nate Lauks.
0: Welcome, friends! Thank you so much for listening to Sound Off today. It is August first on Monday here in Laporte County. It's beautiful outside. I don't know if you've been there, but the weather's great. Um, And we've got in the in the studio with us today, Laporte County Councilman Earl Cunningham. How are you, Earl? I'm doing great. Good Good to see you guys. We were just talking about you know the history of Laporte basketball, especially in the '80s and the '90s when you were coaching there in the '80s. Um, Who would you say uh, probably is the best player you coached?
2: I had a lot of great players. I'm not gonna get into uh, no, gonna say, so, yeah. Well, they're all listening, I'm yeah, sure. So, you know, um, I had a lot of really, really good players. Everybody thinks that my immediate answer would be Delray because sure. of the of the team uh, that he had. But when you really look back with that team with Gales and Rodgers, and there were five Division One players, mm-hmm. there, most people don't realize Gales didn't play at Michigan City as a freshman. He scored 2,000 points in Mississippi as a freshman. He was the leading scorer, and leading rebounder in his conference as a ninth grader. His dad lived in Michigan City, and mom was having some trouble disciplining him. Same up here, and it was a blessing. So we had him for three years, pound for pound, inch for inch. There's another kid named Mike Lemons that was like a miniature Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I... Some I, great I talent, people, though. that yeah, I don't ever say who's the best player. I say this guy was the best shooter, this guy was the best <laughs> rebounder. That way I can
0: name about 20 people. Okay, no. All right, here's one. Here's one, because a lot of coaches are a lot of coaches, who would you think was the best teammate? Because, again, that might not even be the best player. might not even be the best shooter. Who are some of those guys that you said would have been the best teammates?
2: Uh, my very first year, we had a kid that uh, the previous coach told me he was going to cut him. His name was Wayne Buell, and... Uh, when I saw him the first, I had been hired that summer, when I saw him right after being hired, I told him, I said, well, I can tell you right now, it's your lucky day because uh, you were gonna get cut. He'd already made his mind up, you weren't in the top 12 players. And I'm gonna tell you right now, you better be in the top five by the time we were ready to start. I said, because you're a senior and I've got good juniors, you better work hard to summer." Essentially, I don't need you, right? A six-one six, kid that couldn't dunk. <laughs> became one of our valuable assets. I mean, yeah, I tell people all the time, nobody's ever gotten more out of their natural talent than Wayne Buell. Loved the yeah. kid, he'd, he'd run through a wall for you, started every game. Be, we was, he was playing with a 6'8", 6'7", 6'5", was a 6'4", guard, he's 6'1", playing forward. Ended up leading our team in offensive and defensive rebound totals. Wow. Didn't lead in offense or defense, but he led in the totals. End up getting a scholarship because of that because they couldn't believe that he was a better rebounder than the big guys we had, but he was like a Larry Bird guy. He just ran to where the ball was going to be. He just, just seemed he, to know he, it. Right? He, he was like had a nose for the ball. So he's one of the guys that I always talk about. You know, there's there's always room. I tell people if you're the best defensive player, best rebounder, best passer they're gonna find
0: a spot for you. Sure, sure. So let's get into talking a little bit about what's happening in the county. We could trade basketball stories all day because I'd love that. But I know people wanna hear about what's happening with the county council, these kind of things. Now you have had multiple, actually. You've had, you did I think maybe an eight year stint. And then in 2020, you got back onto the council as well. And so you've been on there for a little over a year, year and a half, two years now. year and a half, yeah. um, And And it's been an eventful year and a half, right? <laughs> I would say so,
2: very <laughs> eventful, certainly. And so. it's a unique uh, because uh, when I ran the first time, I, I said when I ran in 2006 that I thought there should be term limits. Mm-hmm. And that I assured people that I would only run two terms. And I then endorsed Randy Novak, who was in my On district. Still Rand, right? yeah. Randy and his wife were both former students of mine. And I knew he was a great guy. And I endorsed Randy and then set out. And then I said, I'm not going to run against the guy I endorsed. I'll wait for an enlarged yeah. race. So that's why I held off until 20. What kind of
0: student was Council President Randy Novak? Very good student. Good,
2: good. Very good student.
0: All right, so uh, let's get to some questions. If you've got a question for uh, County Councilperson Randy, or sorry, Earl, no- Earl Cunningham, Randy's oh, not Novak, here. Earl Novak, Randy yeah, Cunningham, yeah. What is One the of them, one on? of them. Uh, 219-362-0522. right, a few months ago, you did vote in favor of a tax increase in LaPorte County, uh, and it was a controversial tax increase by some. Many people thought it was a no-brainer, you had to do it. Um, And this is the public safety local income tax. And it raised taxes about 0.5%. But that money will need to go for public safety purposes, correct? It needs to go towards the police, the fire, the EMS, these kind of things. Now, I know you had some deliberating about what that increase would, you know, ultimately be decided on spending, these kind of things. But explain to our listeners why you ultimately did vote in favor of the increase.
2: Ultimately, it came down to whether LaPorte County was gonna survive with paying our sheriff's deputies, our our, we have a million dollar twice a year we pay for their merit pension. And had it not been for the riverboat funds, we were in trouble already. And maybe you have Mayor Dermody, he was the best salesman, there's no question. Dermody did a great job selling it. But when we look back at it now, virtually every governmental unit in LaPorte County is going to look back and say, if we didn't have this, we were struggling, because you just can't compete. You've got to pay those guys enough money to take them, keep them from going to Valpar or to Chesterton or wherever they might go, and ultimately, it's going to help everybody. It's not everybody says, well, it is a safety lit, but when you think about, we have a million dollars that was going to a pension twice a year. That's safety lit money that mm-hmm. frees up a million dollars somewhere else. So. I think it's gonna help the county as a whole. There's no question. And, and uh, I, I'm amazed that when this went out to the governmental units, the only one where it was even close was in Michigan City. I think they had three negative votes. That was a 6-3. It was actually 6-2, but the guy that was not there that night would have voted against it. We know that. He had spoke against it several times. But it was like 90% of your outlying units. Mm-hmm. And I give credit to uh, Mark Yagelski for making that recommendation that before we vote on this, let's send it out to Westville and Wannertal and La Crosse and all these other units that are gonna benefit from it or take the flack for it because we mm-hmm. passed it. So, But they were overwhelmingly in favor of it. And uh, our vote on the council was six to one. The guy that sent it out to those units, it came back 90% he voted against it. <laughs> I kid uh, Mark all the time, well you would to get it, said this is the way we should do it. He says, I understand. He said, but I just don't think we have a plan enough how we're gonna spend it. I said, I don't think it's, I said, we're gonna wish we had more before it's all said and done. So the
0: county's in the process. I don't know if you finished budgeting yet or I know you're doing budgeting meetings or you have anyway recently for the 2023 year. Um, the council get asked f- f- by every department, every group, even some t- nonprofits, these kind of things for funding, for money. Um, we know that inflation costs are going up, salaries, these kind of things. How do you decide that something is worthy of being included in the county budget as a council member? How, kind of, Do you have a paradigm that you put it through or an equation to say, okay, this is important? Because you do have to say no
2: sometimes, correct? Right. I think a yeah. lesson I learned early in college in economics class was there's a big difference between needs and wants. And I just try to draw a line right in the middle of the page and say, hey, we'd love to have this. But this is something we need. We have to have this. This we'd like to have. Yeah. So I'm pretty much a needs and wants kind of guy. Uh, smaller amounts, uh, you, know, I, you know, there are certain organizations, it's hard for me to say no to the handicapped. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to, you know, anytime you can help somebody pull themselves up by the bootstraps, I think that's a valuable asset. Um, and they're not coming in and asking for three or $4 million. They yeah. want 15000 here a year or 20000 here. a year. In fact, the other night, somebody from, um, at our last council meeting on the 25th, somebody came in and asked for $4,000. Well, that's like a couple cents when you look at it in the big picture. And um, it was a one-year deal, show us the results. I think that's something we did very well with the um, rent assistance. We said, yeah, we'll give you, they want 100,000 rent up front, so now let's start with 10,000 and then come back and get another 10,000. As long as we see it's being spent properly instead of just divvied out to your friends Mm -hmm. and neighbors, then we can keep funding it. And I think that's gonna work. I mean, they've done a great deal as far as weeding out people that really deserve this money, the rent assistance and people that are trying to pull a con job because those are people are out there. There's no question.
0: For sure. We've got Earl Cunningham, LaPorte County Council member on the show today. If you have a question for Earl, the Liquor Vault on Airline is 219 You're welcome to call or text me your questions. If you're shooting with us online, you can put your questions there in Facebook or YouTube and I'll get those as well. Let's get to a caller. Hey, thanks so much for calling the show. Thanks for listening to the Off Radio Show. What's your question for Councilperson Earl Cunningham?
1: Thank you for coming on the air, Mr. Cunningham. This is Steve Hollifield here. Hi, Steve, how are you? Um, Fine, sir, how are you today? Good. I, I would like to make one quick comment for my question.
3: The state allows us up to three and a half percent of local income tax. I believe within five years we will be at the full max here, as you saw how easy it was to push this last one through. So that's just a prediction I'm making. Now my question, sir, Earlier this year at a council meeting, you said when it comes time for budgeting, you should look at, I believe, a 10% inflation factor. If that is the case, has anybody asked for requests for proposals to outsource anything, eliminate jobs in the county government that could be done cheaper and just as efficient with outside services to help save the taxpayer any money? So I, I think that should be looked at and I was just wondering has anybody requested any of that yet. Thank you.
2: Thanks for calling, Steve. Actually, that has happened steve if If you watch the budget hearings uh I think Mike Schultz has eliminated three positions in his office over the last six eight years um, The sheriff's department outsourced the food processing you know they had a, a full time employee actually in the jail overseeing that so there there are attempts everybody's trying to stretch their money the The problem in some areas is. Outsourcing is almost impossible like in the clerk's office, for example. She, I give the, the clerk uh, Heather Stevens credit because she's brought in a lot of part-time people to try to catch up, same thing as in the recorder's office. There were periods of time when we were just falling farther and farther behind. I agree with you 100%, Steve, in that uh, when they first got computers 30 years ago, we had 800 employees and we still have about 800 employees and and computers should have speeded up the process the the problem is that as computers speeded up the process the state government and federal government increased the amount of paperwork they had to have tracking county work and so it hasn't resulted in a 10% reduction in our staff there's no question about that Steve brings up a good point I'm one of those guys that's always looking for a way to can we get away with reducing our staff. Sometimes uh, we had an example with the um, park department and they've gotten by hiring part-time people to work in the summer. Well, they can't do that anymore because guys say, well, I can get a full-time job Mm -hmm. making 15 bucks an hour. Why am I gonna come to you for 15 bucks an hour? And uh, so he's had, couldn't get any applicants part-time but he still had to have people doing the lawn, mowing the lawns and cleaning the shelters and so forth. So he had to take a part-time position, convert it to full-time but he's not gonna fill the part-time job. Um, there are, we just keep making adjustments on the fly. The other thing I gotta, you have to give uh, the park department credit, our park department is pretty good. We got a really, really nice park department in Port County. They just added another park that won't be too high of a maintenance.
0: I think it's Jeremy Sabecki's department, right? Yes,
2: Jeremy does a great job. I'm a big fan. And and he tries to do it on a shoestring. He's not gouging us. And uh, my, my concern is just the opposite. Uh, Steve, I would say this. Most people came in and all we dealt with at this point in time is the two and three hundred accounts, like the gasoline and automobiles and mm-hmm. things like that. The if I was the department head, I would do exactly what they do. They come in and say, "I have no changes in my two and three hundred account." Well, then we're all happy. We say, "Well, I vote, direct, vote to vote pass, passes unanimously." It's those that are trying to increase their two and three hundred accounts. Now we got to go through fine tooth comb. Why are we doing this? And I give this as an example of how. Over the years, they've learned this is the quickest way to get in and out, no hassle. They're not talking about salaries, we're talking about two and 300. Yes. Uh, no changes, no changes whatsoever. Motion to approve, bang, they're gone. And I particularly noted this one because over our last meeting, we gave John Boyd $200,000 for one third of what he needed just for increases in food and gas. And that's going to be for the last half the year. So I, in my head, I'm pretty quick. I'm saying, well, that's six hundred thousand. Now let's stretch it out for all twenty three. That's another million too, that he really needs. So I'm waiting when he comes in with his two and three hundreds. No change on our two and three hundreds. I said that Sheriff Boyd. Didn't you just ask us for six hundred thousand to finish the year? You need one point two. If the price of food and gas doesn't go down, you're going to be one point two million short. Correct. He says, yeah, but we'll just come back in and ask for it next year. (laughs) And that's part of our dilemma that we've built a culture of. And part of that was because the state would only let you grow by 3%, 4%, 5%. They had a growth factor. And so we got in this habit of under-budgeting and come back and ask for money out of the casino fund or out of the general fund. And... It's hard to tell what a real budget is. So yeah, you're, you're approving
0: a budget each each year that's really not an accurate budget. No, then. it's yeah. a, it's an underinflated budget. Yes,
2: what it comes down. To. We know that the price of gasoline is not going down to two fifty. Yep. I, or I shouldn't say no, but I'm pretty sure it won't be down yeah. to two fifty. Yep. So how do you budget when gasoline can fluctuate by a dollar a gallon? Sure, it's tough to do that. His food prices, but you, know it's, gonna, you know it's going to you know it's going to increase, though, right? That, that's the no thing question. is you got
0: to you got to no know question. it's going to increase, so you can't ask for the
2: same amount of money because you know right. for sure it's going to increase. And that's my whole theory is if we didn't have the public safety lit, we weren't going to be able to pay some people or we weren't going to be able to pay for food and gas. I mean, just, There's a matter of, at some point in time, there's got to be enough money.
0: Yeah, and there's only so many ways that you can increase revenue as a government, right? I mean, Correct. and so, all right, well, we've got uh, Earl Cunningham here, uh, LaPorte County Council Member. We're going to take a break here, get back to your questions. We see you've got a couple callers, these kind of things. If you've got a question, you can call me, 209 362 You can also text me that same number, 209-362-0522. And uh, we'd be happy to take your calls here and uh, answer any questions you might have uh about the laporte county council so thanks so so much for listening we'll be right back here only on 96.7 the eagle welcome back friends this is nate lauks and you're listening to the sound off radio show only on 96.7 the eagle we've got laporte county council person earl cunningham here in the studio with us glad to have you earl if you've got a question for earl the liquor vault on airline is 219-362-0522 you're welcome to call or text that number again that's 219-362-0522 we'd be happy to hear from you let's get to a caller Hey, thanks so much for waiting on the line. Thanks for listening to the show. What's your question for Earl Cunningham?
3: Well, my name's Larry Reeves, and I'm glad glad Earl's on the council. So my issue is property taxes for seniors. I know the county's hurting for, for funds, but I've lived in this county all my life, and now I'm in a situation where I'm retired. I'm 72 years old. I'm a veteran. And I know the state has a limit on the rate, but there's no limit on the appraised value. And they just keep going up and up. And, I, you know, I might be forced out of my home. You know, I've, ta- I've sent messages to uh, Governor Holcomb. He did not respond. I've sent messages to Jim Pressel, who's worthless. But um, Hotchick did respond. His response was that 30% of the people in the Port County are seniors where do you expect us to get our money. And I think all these tax breaks that give to all these businesses coming in, they, they should have some kind of thing in the contract where if they're very, very successful, that, that they pay some of that money back to the county. And if they fail, they fail. Or they don't fail, or they just kind of keep their head above water. Then, yeah, you, you need jobs but if somebody's doing really well, then they should give the money back to the county. Because I'm telling you, the seniors- I agree. Are, I think they're hurting over on property taxes, and that's it, thank wow.
0: you. Thanks so much for calling, and it is. Uh, as these, you know, as home values are being sold, you know, you see houses that are sold now for $250,000, That I know when we were looking for a house in 2015, the house was maybe 125 to 150, and so uh, the values are going up,
2: right? One of my assistant coaches when I was uh, coaching was has passed away several years ago, but his wife is still in the home. They built for $30,000, a couple blocks off Long Beach, and uh, are away from the water, but close to the golf course. It's not on the golf course, it's not on the beach, but it's- It's in the neighborhood. You but, can yeah. see both of them pretty close, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and her ta- she got a tax bill one year for $6,000. Mm-hmm. She said, that means in five years, I will have paid for my house again, just in property taxes. Well, she's like, like 95, 96 years old now. Yeah. And her income is fixed. Fortunately, when the $6,000 bill came in, we caught the air. I went on. The, they had her on the golf course. She's across the road from the golf course, so that cut it down dr- dramatically. But I understand exactly what he's saying. And, and I think I, I would agree that at some point in time, our elderly and our vet- veterans who have financial need. You know, my wife and I are very fortunate. We're both older than the caller, but we both spent 30 years in the school system and we have a nice pension and we have social security and it's not like we needed money. That's the problem is w- it's almost like you have to have sliding scale for everything, mm-hmm. financial need. I certainly, I don't want, the last thing I want to do is put a veteran, a senior veteran out of his home and that's why I think we have these rental assistance, mortgage assistance programs. I would suggest that he go to his township trustee. Whatever township he's in, find his trustee and go and, and if she, he can show his financial situation that, hey, I have to choose between taxes and groceries, then the trustee can probably help. And sometimes it takes more paperwork than you wanna do, but if that's what it takes keeping your house, then you probably should do that. So that would be my first recommendation. He can give me a call later uh, my home number. Uh, let me give you my cell number, because that's when I answer more often, <laughs> is at 219-861-7070. But I agree 100%. We can't be forcing veterans and, and seniors out of their homes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, the inflationary cost for seniors is the same as everyone else. They're paying more for food. They're paying, and there's a, a limited budget.
2: And so, their there other one that's tremendously inflated is uh, medications. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's yeah. absolutely, it kills them. All right,
0: let's get to another caller. Hey, thank Hey, thanks so much for calling. Thanks for waiting on the line. We've got Earl Cunningham here, Laporte County Council member. What's your question for Earl?
1: Good afternoon, gentlemen.
2: Hey, buddy, how are you?
1: Good, good. How's it going, Mister Cunningham? That sounds
2: like one of my former basketball players in the middle <laughs> '80s. Yeah, he's on that. He probably was yeah, on that yeah, team that came into Laporte with Chico and Terry and Dozo, right? weren't you on that team? Was
0: he, was he the one that you mentioned? Was the best player you had? <laughs> <laughs> well, I get it. There
1: was no, an interesting, interesting story. I was the one playing with all the five Division One players.
2: <laughs> yeah. Interesting story. So you you had a, you had a role on the team, right? You had a role. Yeah, exactly. He was exactly. A, he was a great practice player. One of my favorite stories about him is his brother was going to Laporte or to Marquette at the same time. We were playing a Marquette game, and had, Marquette coach, a friend of mine, had taken his brother out. I said, put him back in. I'm putting Bobby in. And so Bob went in, stole the ball from him, went down for a layup. That's his claim to fame.
0: So you're at least better than your brother, right? <laughs> Yeah, he was a little shorter than me, so
1: <laughs> you know, I had a little, five, little yeah. advantage.
0: All right, what's your question, bud? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, hey, uh, you know my road's been on the news lately for being one of the most dangerous roads in the county. Um, Nine hundred west and uh, four hundred north. There, pretty big drop off
2: on both sides.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, people just drive like idiots. That's number one. But uh, it's at the end down there. But um, when they when they come, cut the the, the ditch. They don't. They don't bring the articulating one. They just bring one that just drops a little bit on the side, and they can't. They don't get the trees back. I mean, down at the corner, if you're in a, a little car, you can't see out. That's the problem right. with a lot of accidents. Right. So they really need to do something about that corner. And there's a there's a big pothole right there. If you if you're in a truck pulling the trailer, you're either going to hit it with your truck or you're going to hit it with your trailer. You can't avoid it because it's too narrow. You know. So uh, if, I don't know if you could have. Them, you know, maybe bring the nicer mower down our road. Maybe it wouldn't be, have so many accidents. Because the other one just you know can't really do the
2: right job. Yeah, I understand so. exactly what you're talking about, and I'll All right. I'll give way uh, I'll give Duane at the county highway Bar and I'll give him a call on that. And okay. and I know part of your problem is you and I have discussed this I think in the past. One of the reasons they don't get any tickets on your road is because there's no place to pull them over. You think yeah, about there's it. There's a couple uh, entry entry fields they can pull in. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, but, there's no way anybody can pull off the road. I mean, that's and, and then and then when those guys
1: do come down and cut, just because I cut it. They'll turn around and go the other way. It's like, no, please cut it again. You know, because then I got people. I got people cussing at me because grass gets thrown in the road. How, how am I supposed to go? Walk up and down the road with my blower?
2: You know,
1: it's it's, it's like a a losing paddle. So if you can help me out.
2: You're doing uh, a great job taking care of your area. I know exactly where you're at. You know that. Thank
0: you guys. Uh, You guys have a great day. uh, You you too buddy, take care. We've got Earl Cunningham on the show. Uh, Earl is a um, uh, Laporte County council member. Uh, Here's a question for you. Um, The 39 North corridor needs some investment into its water infrastructure to accommodate its residential and industrial growth uh, that's happened there. Now the city of Laporte has said they'd like to make those investments for the 39 North area, if and only if they agree to annex themselves into the city. Has the council considered making those investments in that area instead?
2: I know there's discussions. I'm not on that committee, but I know there are discussions with either a water tower, fixing the, the size of the lines. They don't have enough pressure for. Yep. That's, it's a fire issue for some of it. Yep. Uh, fortunately, we got a retired fireman on our. Randy's a retired fireman, so he's on that committee, I know that, Um, but we're obviously, we don't want to lose county revenue as well. I mean, they pay a lot of taxes out there. Uh, The city wants to annex, so then that presents another issue. We don't want to spend a lot of money on it, and then the city annex it, and we lose revenue. That's kind of So not knowing
0: where it's gonna go yet, yeah. So
2: right now, it's a matter of the city and the county and the 39 North people all working together to try to work out out what's what's the best plan yeah
0: all right we've got earl cunningham on the show if you want to give us a call 219-362-0522 we're going to take another quick break our final break of the day and be right here back back here on 96.7 the eagle welcome back friends to our final segment of sound off for the day we've got earl cunningham laporte county council member here on the show here's a question that came in through our text line why not give the highway department a raise with this tax increase? If it wasn't for them, how do you expect any police, fire, or EMS to get the, to their calls during winter or bad storms?
2: That's a great question, and that's what every department says. You know, if we didn't do the paperwork, these people don't hear. It. You know, I mean, every office can make a legitimate argument. And you think about it, that's when they started giving out money for raises, and they use the term essential. I said, I can't vote for essential workers. I think everybody's essential or we should fire them. That's the bottom line. If they're not necessary to run the county, why are they on a payroll? Yeah. And who wants to make that decision? You show me why this person doesn't have a job. And nobody wanted to do that. So truth be known, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle and it all fits together somehow. So I, the county highway, those guys do a great job, especially in the wintertime when, when you need it most. I mean, we appreciate them out there painting lines and mowing and all this stuff in the summer. But when you get that first six inches of snow, that's when you really appreciate your county highway guys. And they are underpaid. There's no question. I, I uh, agree with them
0: 100%. All right. Let's get to another caller here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Ra- Sound Off Radio Show. So grateful for you. What's your question for Earl Cunningham?
1: Well, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi. I'm um, a two- two-fold question I have. The first part is I know that Michigan City is looking to, uh, for help from the county to you know repair their bridge over there by you know, the park, and I under- don't understand why Laporte County is going to have their hands on that since that's in a city over there. And besides that, they do charge you know Laporte County residents to come into the beach area there. Uh, the second part of the question, since you're doing that for Michigan City, it seems like the Uh, County is kind of pushing back on LaPorte with that, you know, bypass around the city for some reason. So it seems like there's two different things going on, but they're not they're helping one but not the other. So I'm just trying to figure that out.
0: Well, thanks so much for calling. And for our listeners that might not be familiar there, talking about the drawbridge here in Michigan City, and Earl can fill in a little bit because it is a complicated understanding of who pays for what, who who owns what, these kind of things, and then the LaPorte bypass because the count or the commission just recently voted uh, essentially not in favor of the proposed plans that they had. So go ahead. All right, on the
2: bridge issue, um, the bridge... Is over a federal waterway, so the Coast Guard actually has control of when that bridge has to go up and down. It's what they call a major bridge, and it's counties. The bridge belongs to the county, that's
0: and that's what, according to the state, right? It's the according s- to the federal government. Oh, the and federal the state government, government.
2: Yeah, yeah it comes federal state.
0: Any and, bridge uh, in the county, the fe- uh, the county has to pay for
2: essentially. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you could have a bridge in a city, but. You know, there's some smaller bridges, like over Trail Creek, you know what I mean? But that one goes over Federal Waterway, so then it's federal government telling the state that you've gotta take care of the bridge. And uh, so that's the first issue. Um, My biggest complaint there is I went over and talked to the guys at the Coast Guard. I said, how many of these boats that are coming through here actually have to have that bridge raised? He said 90% of them wouldn't have to raise the bridge if they would just lower their antenna. Well, to me, it seems like now you're just bragging about you got a boat. (laughs) <laughs> you know you you go through there and honk your horn and they have to raise a bridge because your antenna won't clear well drop your antenna for and take it on the bridge raise it back up that's what frustrates me because every time a bridge goes up and down there's a greater chance that it's going to f- fail um on a second issue i'm not aware of enough i know the commissioners voted against the proposal um yeah, they didn't vote the bypass down completely, right. just the they didn't like the proposals that were presented. And, uh, the, trust me, nobody's going to like, you're not going to get every, anybody in agreement that they all like one proposal because some people like this one, some people like that one. And it depends on whose fields you're going through and whose home's getting removed. And So that's a tough issue. I'm not involved with that in any way, shape, or form at this point in time. And I kid Durham all the time. I tell him that, uh, well, trust me, I'm going to be off the council before you even start building that, bypass. <laughs> no matter what your plan is, I won't be involved with that one. Uh,
0: another question here from uh, kind of about the bridge. I don't know if this is the caller that, that also text one, but is the one and a half million dollars being spent on the bridge in Michigan City, the drawbridge there, being used as a repair every year? Or is that just
2: an annual maintenance fee? That's basically a year-round maintenance contract with Markowitz. And in reality, that's pretty cheap compared to what we were paying before. And what they were talking about is like 180 to $200 million to rebuild a bridge. I mean, uh, astronomical and the number of years that you would be laid up without a bridge. So it's it's a big complicated issue. There's no question about that. We're very fortunate that Marquis Electric almost treats that as their personal property. They, have, they don't even take vacations at the same time. The two guys that work on a bridge, they coordinate so that one of them will be in town um so is there w-
0: someone at the bridge essentially from marquez electric
2: all the time no okay they, but they are there within 30 minutes i think Okay. if there's ever a problem one of those two guys is probably at the bridge site uh in fact i heard that one of the commissioners say that they thought it should be changed to marquis bridge because <laughs> the truck is there so often and some of it is just knowledge of how everything works and th- again you got wires under the water and you got 100 year old
0: bridge and the parts many of the parts have to be fabricated by them absolutely and, you know these kind of things so yeah, I know it's, it's not that. like
2: you're buying spare parts no they're not all those
0: yeah all right here's a question for you that we received um, how do you think the lit tax money should be spent how much should be allocated for salaries for police and fire uh, and ems should do you think any money should be used for a new jail? We had uh, John Boyd on the show recently and he said uh, the next sheriff, whether it be Andy Heineck or Ron Heig, is gonna probably have to deal with that right. question.
2: And, and my answer to that question is just like I told you about Germany. I'll be long gone before <laughs> from the council before they have to deal with that issue. But there, there's no question, in my opinion, the jail should have been built out by Johnson Road at the Summit Farm when they built it, put the addition on here, but that's water in the bridge. I mean, I can't, you can't change that. Uh, it's a faltering jail without question. It's like the bridge. I mean, once, it's just like you guys in your homes. You get 40, 50 years old, you're going to have to do some repair. And um, it comes a point in time when you just say, we can't keep fixing things. We've got to renew
0: We've got Earl Cunningham on the show today. Earl serves on the Laporte County Council here, um, and if you have a question, we've got about five minutes left. 209-362-0522. six two zero five two two. You're welcome to call or text me. So you keep on saying you might not be on the commission or on the council. Then, do you plan on running for re-election? Or are you going to no, be done
2: after I, this? I, I don't hate to even tell you how old I am, but. <laughs> I will definitely not be running for the county council again. Okay, so this would be your last... Uh, I've got your two last and a half years, or actually two years and five months, I guess now.
0: So that's nice then. You don't have to worry about a re-election campaign
2: or anything like that, huh? That's, there's no, not going to be a re-election campaign for Earl Cunningham.
0: Do you think it gives you a little bit of freedom, though, to also vote? conscious to say you know what I don't have to worry about what votes are gonna you know I'm, I I really can think not to say that you do this all the time or anything but I, I'm, I know enough politicians to know that if it's an election year votes are a little
2: scrutinized a little harder I, that's you know? one of the things I was very fortunate I didn't run for political office until I was comfortably retired and it wasn't like I needed the money so I never worried about getting reelected it's if I don't get reelected I don't get re- I have some more free time and <laughs> it's not, I'm not gonna starve so I've never thought about how does this play politically? I know that you're absolutely right. There are some people that do that and it's tougher in an election year, but uh, that won't affect my thinking at all.
0: So here's a question that we received here. Um, the Planning commission, Port County Planning Commission recently asked a proposed subdivision near Rolling Prairie. We had two responses, a celebration that more growth isn't gonna happen in that area because they didn't want that, and also anger that the county isn't willing to allow new housing development. So we had both groups, I, I saw them online as well. Right. Uh, you know, what What do you, how do you balance that? Do you
2: think the county needs to grow? You well, know? the county definitely needs to grow. We've been stable population for about 40, 45 years. But
0: nobody wants a subdivision in their neighborhood though, right?
2: Well, that one was particularly complex just because of the exact location surrounded by farming. Um, I think they said 3,500 to 4,000 cows and they want to grow dairy cattle. Um, kind of a protected woods at one time, it's changed. I, I was pretty flexible, I wasn't sure I was gonna vote on that until very late in that meeting. And um, I, I just, here, here was the issue I know with some of the Plan Commission is, you've got 30, 40 people in the audience that spoke, they had a special meeting before the Plan Commission that night, so it was a two hour complaint session instead of one. And in reality, they got up and made very good points. I mean, I shouldn't say complaints, it was valid their personal feelings and they moved there to get out of the city. Now, you think in terms of if this division went in, if that subdivision went in, it was virtually gonna be as many people in that subdivision as there are in Rolling Prairie. So it was gonna double the size. It was like another community. Mm -hmm. And the access to the road and and the county farm equipment that was moving around. There were just a lot of negatives. And someone made this point that, you know, you people were elected by us and then we got a Chicago developer and a Chesterton something else and a Valpo attorney, none of whom are paying any taxes in LaPorte County. And I think that swayed some people later in me. the meeting. The, I, I and, and another good point, let me go on there. Yeah, go There's a lot of open lots in current subdivisions. Well, until those are filled, I don't know that we need to stretch. And here's my idea on the growth that's kind of halfway between LaPorte and Rolling Prairie. Well, the growth should start at Rolling Prairie and at LaPorte and grow to the middle instead of starting in the middle and growing to both ends. And, and that's my opinion. I mean, that's, I think that's the way growth should occur. Michigan City growing toward Westville and Westville growing toward oh. Valpo and LaPorte and Michigan City all at one time. But I don't want to go out and put a spot right in the middle of where, let's say, Purdue North Central is mm-hmm. and then say, well, we're going to build toward Michigan City and Westville
0: how do you then get developers to want to do that right this developer wants this specific spot it's a wooded spot they they want to put a subdivision that has some trees there's kind of things right. so you can't just say well go buy this farmland over here it's a better farmland for you to buy or this area over here because they don't want that they want that one so right. how do you how do you because we see development happening in porter county lake county st joe county we don't right. see a lot of new housing development here in laporte county so what do we what can we do to encourage housing development but also be kind to the neighbors that live there, right?
2: Exactly, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> you've gotta be able to get along and, and I think the number of people that could have been in that, two they'd lowered it from 300 houses to 237, yeah. but if you say three people times 237, you're up to Rolling Prairie's population. Yep. And that drastically changes the school system, yep. it changes your, you know, we're gonna build a new Rolling Prairie base out there that already started, that will help for EMS. But it changes the dynamics when you have that many people in such a small area.
0: And I know, uh, to speak for Tom Germany, who has said it on here before, he'd be happy to have the development in La Porte if they'd like it. Absolutely,
2: (laughs) and there are some areas they could be a lot closer to the city.
0: So I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Earl, I'll give you the final word. What do you want our listeners to know?
2: One thing I want to say, because your guest last Friday was Tim Frankie, yeah, and uh, you forgot to mention that Tim Franke is a member of the LaPorte County YMCA board. He's an invaluable asset, and uh, we've worked together for a couple of years there, and I love working with him
0: yeah he uh he's a good dude that tim frankie is county or city council president and if you didn't listen to that show you can find that episode on our podcast as well as will this one will be as well i want to thank you so much for being on the show earl thanks for answering the questions thanks for being honest i appreciate you buddy we'll be back on friday for a new show new episode if you ever have a a, an idea for a guest let us know give us a call or don't call don't call this don't call the studio once this is done this show Nobody wants to hear from you, all right? So email me at soundoff 967 theeaglecom all right? Hey, be good to yourself, be good to others. Keep listening to 96.7 The Eagle.
3: Thank you for joining us and voicing your opinion on this edition of Sound Off. The views on Sound Off are those of the host or callers and do not represent the opinion of 967 The Eagle, Spoon River Media LLC, or the sponsors. Sound Off airs every Monday and Friday at 12:30. Please mark your calendar and join us again for the next edition of Sound Off on 967 The Eagle.
1: Thank you for listening to the Sound Off podcast at 967theeagle.com.